Just days away from the 2023 NFL Draft, we're going to talk with Joe Goodberry and try to go round by round and figure out who the Bengals are likely to pick this year. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake. Let's go along with James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Joe Goodberry, who you can find on the Bengals at the Brain podcast on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, where you can find all of his content. We're part of the Locked On podcast network here on Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe to this program on YouTube program podcast. You can follow anywhere you get your podcasts on an audio platform and become an everydayer. Maybe become a first listener. Make us your first listen of the day as we gear up for what we've been gearing up for. As we approach the NFL draft today, we're joined one last time before the draft by with Joe Goodberry. Really fumbling words here, boys. We're going to talk about the most likely scenarios. We're going to try to go through a few rounds. We're going to start at the top, of course. With the first round, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, and the world of players the Bengals could pick is pretty big when you're picking at 28, but let's try to isolate five, six guys that we think are really in play and and talk about some of the scenarios where those could come up. Yeah, let's let's try to isolate it. And you guys have done a really good job of kind of narrowing down things on your board, and that let's project it to that 28th pick. And I think that's the fun part because you never know who's going to fall who's going to be there, who's not. And uh, we were able to figure it out last year and get it down to a few guys. And so let's, let's try to do the same. Uh, Joe, what, uh, what comes to mind? I, to me, when I think of Joe Goodberry, I think of Emmanuel Forbes right now as the guy at 28 that, uh, that just fits pretty naturally. And I think if you were to ask me to project who would be number one, if let's say I pulled 500 people on Twitter to give me their responses, and I did, so far as I'm going through the list. Number one is overwhelmingly Emmanuel Forbes as, and and what's the balance here? Is the guy going to be there at 28 is probably the biggest thing. And then number two, would the Bengals take him? And would they, do they like this player? And all signs point to yes, for the Bengals liking Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi state. But do I think he's going to be there? I do think his stock has been more accurate the last week or so where we're starting to see him going at times in some mocks into the early 20s. And in that case, he wouldn't be there, obviously. So I, I think there is a chance. I'm, I'm still thinking like 60% chance he is in that range because if he's not, then another corner is, and that probably changes our conversation to a different guy. Uh, but at the same time, I do think he's going to grade extremely high for them. And if, if he's there, he plays a premium position, you start checking all the boxes, I do think that's the most likely pick. And how many corners are going to go in the first round? Because we talked about this. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, almost certainly gone, right? Like very few worlds where they fall. And if, it, if they do, it's because something crazy has happened off the field or in medicals that we, the public, don't know about. Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr. expected to be first round picks as well. And Emmanuel Forbes' consensus seems to be creeping up on him. And whether that's media catching up or whatever it is, you're starting to see, like you said, the, the early 20s. And you might even see him in the teens this week in some final mocks that come out. 
you're hearing a lot of smoke connecting him to some teams to pick before the Bengals. So say it's not Forbes. Does that push Deontay Banks down, perhaps? Does that mean that you consider Cam Smith? Do they make it six corners if all five guys are gone? Cam Smith comes out ahead of Joey Porter Jr. on our board. And, you know, the film grades aren't where he comes out on top. But the film grade, you're first, second round there. You're feeling okay about that. Do you think we see additional corners going in the first round here, Joe? I think if it's a weird draft, if we don't have the quarterbacks go, if we don't have the wide receivers go, if some other grouping doesn't get pushed up or down a little bit, then it could happen. Uh, Normally in recent history, you only have about four corners that go before pick 28. So based on history, the fifth guy should be there. Now that's what I mean. If if something weird happens where a, a whole position is being skipped out on in the first round, then yes, somebody could get pushed up. In a strong corner class, I feel like most teams are going to have these guys near the top of their board anytime. I mean, from the start of the draft, but through the teens and the 20s, one of these guys are going to be up there. But you're right. If Forbes goes and it's, and he's one of the four, which guy's most likely of the top five to be there? I think Deontay Banks has a chance because he's mostly a man cover guy that doesn't play a lot of zone and doesn't have great ball skills, which are things I think teams are looking for. But honestly, I think the guy we're overlooking completely is Joey Porter Jr. I think his profile is the guy that will be there after pick 25. If I had to guess of the top five corners, I would have him fifth in in terms of what NFL teams typically draft. The one thing I can't really put a value on, though, is the pedigree. And being Joey Porter's son, I think teams do like that stuff and say, oh, well, his dad made it. He'll know how to play. He'll know how to be a professional in the NFL. But based on traits, professional, yeah, right. As, as professional as Joey Porter Sr. was, right. Uh. But but the 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 fluidity, the ball skills are not there with Porter. I think he still has a ways to go in zone. Most teams are zone in the NFL, in the NFL anyway. So you know you've got to be able to to handle that to get to play early. I think Luana Rumo would say the same thing. So he's the most likely of the five to still be there. I think. After would that, you take him? Would you I take would. him at twenty eight? Yeah, and I think he'd be a project still. But like I just said, for the reasons Lou Anarumo probably wouldn't want to start him early. I think his physical upside is there. He's super long. Usually that's correlative to uh, getting pass breakups and, and you know being a pest of, of a corner. And I, and I think he can be that. And he's a, he's a physical player. He's a cocky player. I like those things at corner. Maybe the other parts can develop as he gets older. But if it's not that, could they reach for a Cam Smith? I think you could. It's funny. He seems to be the guy that's falling the most from January to April. Uh, Our guy Marcus Mosher on Twitter just posted a consensus big board from January and then to April. And he's dropped about 30 spots total. Uh, That's Cam Smith. So is that correct? Is that real? Then I think he's looking at the second round, even though we do like him. Keith Ringo, another name just to throw out there. Not that we love it, but uh, it is probably in that first, second range where somebody could – Decide yeah. he's worth the pick. Let's talk about some of the other. Well, DJ Turner too. I, Chris Sims had him what twenty fifth to the. I guess Giants. so. Yeah, I guess I guess I, some people see DJ Turner that way. I'd be surprised if if the Bengals do, based on a, a, you know the length issues. The you, you know you talk about oh, no. weight for four. I, I didn't necessarily mean for the Bengals. I just meant yeah. first rounders. Sure, like the number of corners that could go. Yeah, let's talk about a couple other positions here quickly uh, that, that are in play for the Bengals. A couple of other names that are in play for the Bengals. What do you think about the tight ends, Joe? You think one of the tight ends is actually in play in the first round? 
I would not. I saw some betting odds come out recently, and tight end was, it seemed like Vegas thinks Bengals will take a tight end, even if you're just looking at position or the top three players, the third one being Darnell Washington after Mayer and Kincaid. I would, I, I do not think that's happening at all. Number one, because I don't think either tight end is going to be there. Uh, I think both go in the top 20 picks or so, and it's just not going to be a realistic option. To, so do the Bengals pivot and go to the next guy? I honestly, if I had to guess, I would say Laporta is their third tight end. And do you take Laporta at 28? I don't think you do. I think some teams may have him in that fringe area where, hey, again, if, if, a, if a chaotic draft happens and all of your first-round graded guys go in the top 24 or so, and you're sitting there picking second-round players, that is a scenario where you're taking a Jameer Gibbs or a Laporta, I think. Otherwise, I don't expect it at all, just because I don't think it lines up. 60 seems like the sweet spot to get value at tight end. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if Kincaid's there, I think they would probably take him, depending on who else goes. But if Kincaid's there, then Forbes is probably off the board, right? It's a ripple effect, and that's – that's the interesting part is is who ends up being there that would be at the top of their board. Outside of those spots, I, I assume defensive line, we haven't talked about it much in round one. Kalaja Kansi, if he somehow fell, I think he would be a contender for 28. Anyone else that stands out at, at 28 that we need to mention? No, I do think this is the first time they could dip into the defensive line in the first round since Justin Smith, David Pollock, however you want to split that up. Uh, yeah, I think Kansi... I think people are concerned with the weight and, and the size, the length and overall. Uh, I don't know if that will affect the Bengals or not. You know, they've, they did have Geno Atkins and yes, Geno is even longer than Kansi, but they did draft some of the shortest arm players in the last 20 years under uh, Duke Tobin and Eric Steinbach, who had the shortest arms for guard of all time at the time, David Pollock, who was, they were talking about, you have to play linebacker because his arms are so short, if you remember that. And that's why he was announced as a linebacker. Marvin was going to do a lot of things with him. But he, I think he fits that. And then Giovanni Bernard at the time of the combine had the shortest arms of any running back ever. Will that scare them away? Darkwood Denard had short arms too, 30 and a half inches, really short for a corner. I don't know that it'll scare them. I wonder if they have a high enough grade on him to make him that pick. I think if it's hard to project that those type of things, if it's how we see it, then yeah, I do think they will. And I, I think he could easily be a pick. I, I don't know if he'll be there. I have no clue where Kalaji Kansi is going to go. A guy that gets zero 30 top 30 visits could go top 10. If he does, don't be shocked. Right. Because some teams like mm-hmm. I love him and we don't need it. And then it seems like recently the saints one pick behind the Bengals are doing a lot of homework on Kalaji Kansi as if they expect him to be there. So now I'm like, I don't know where he's going to go in the first round. If he's there, It'll be interesting. Teams yeah. continuously do not take the bet on this kind of player unless it's an absolutely dominant profile. And, and you know, if, if he comes in with 33-inch arms, how much of a difference does that make? 30-and-a-half-inch arms instead. A lot more to talk about here, guys. A little bit more in the first round. Got to get to some of the rest of the rounds here. Want to make sure we get to day three as well. So let's continue our conversation about trying to pick the guys that are most in play for the Bengals here coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, well, you got to get Built Bars in your life because they're protein-packed, low sugar, low calories, and they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in a bunch of different flavors from churro to peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. And you're talking about 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. It's the snack that is not only healthy, but it tastes great. You can get yours 
at built.com today. You can also go to Walmart and get a, a four pack, or if you're a Sam's Club member, go there, get a 13 bar box. Well, and then send one to Emmanuel Forbes if he's the 28th pick, because you know he'll be wanting to put on a little bit more weight in the NFL. So again, built bar or built.com, excuse me, and Walmart and Sam's Club, the number one protein bar on the planet. Let's keep talking about the first round here for just a couple more minutes in case there's any other guys that we need to mention. Then we'll move on to the second round. Joe, any other dark horses that we should be talking about in the first round here? Jameer Gibbs, I know, James, you mentioned briefly. Anybody else? Yeah, I've got a few other names written down. I think we've already mentioned Brian Brzee out of Clemson, the defensive tackle. Maybe they, if, if size is the issue, maybe he's over Kansi for them. And there's a scenario where he's the best player available. I could see it. Uh, and then two defensive ends I think we should talk about that we probably haven't first. Miles Murphy from Clemson was – I originally thought it was like a top 15 guy. As soon as I saw the tape and some of the production numbers, I thought, no way. Like this guy should definitely be closer to a second-round pick. And I think we're seeing that now. And I think the latest mock draft I saw, I think it was Chris Sims. had him 29 or 30th uh, in the first round. So could the Bengals like him? Could he be a fit for them? I think so. I think the other guy is Lucas Van Ness from Iowa who – it's funny because I think on tape, most people thought second round right away, maybe early second round. And then he tested really well to show that there's definitely more to his game than what Iowa was, was using him as. A lot of times they're kicking him inside, just letting him bull rush from the defensive tackle spot. Which, again, I think the Bengals, if we were to say on this entire lineup, if they had to go out there and, and throw someone out, a team out there right now, it'd probably be the biggest weakness is their interior pass rush. So if you see a guy like a Lucas Van Ness is, yeah, he's going to continue to do that in the NFL and slide inside and play defensive tackle and nickel packages, I could see the Bengals liking him. And, in fact, he looks like Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard type guy. I mean, he, with that power rushing, not really quick twitch around the arc, not a lot of moves, he seems like a Bengals type of rusher. Uh, so I think those are probably the three last guys that I would promote into that conversation. If you just yeah. looked at film grades – Derek Hall, like film grades and Archie, Derek Hall's a guy that looks like he should be in that conversation as well. Nobody's really talking about Derek Hall as a first round pick. I maybe seen him in one first round mock. That's just another name I wanted to, wanted to throw out there. Sorry, James, go ahead. No, it's okay. They better not pick Derek Hall 28th. But it's a good, it is a good segue because I think that there's going to be an effort to potentially trade down here. Not that a team will want to trade down, but the Bengals could be. Joe picking at the start of this next tier of player. And they may have eight guys in that tier and they're like, all right, well, 2A, right? They're 2A guys and be like, ah, well, if we can move down to 35 and still get one of these guys before it falls to the 2B and get another pick, that would make sense. I could see Hall being in that. I could see some of the guys that we mentioned because if everyone goes that we think are, are going to go and all the guys we mentioned, well, some of a lot of these guys are going to fall to round two, early round two, and be picked in the 30s. So that's kind of the final thing, I think, for, for round one. There is a scenario, Jake, where we get together on Thursday night at whatever time and react to Zach Taylor and, and maybe Duke Tobin talk about their decision to trade down and, and trade out of the first round. I don't think it's likely, but, but it's certainly possible. They haven't done it since the 80s, by the way, uh, trading out of the first round and not having a first-round pick. Something that we talk about a lot and something that like a lot of times makes sense on paper and then just doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason, whether it's that they don't get the compensation that they want, whether it's that they don't feel comfortable dropping back the amount of picks, whatever it is. Uh, Joe, you remember we, we DM'd about this. At one point, I was like, trade future picks. 
let's go all in and and all in in a sense like not all all in obviously trading future picks is a way of going all in to some degree and adding more players right now to try to push to win this year and then the more you sit with the draft class the more you're like yeah let's trade out of this draft <laughs> let's get future picks so i mean i'm not saying that i think they'll do that but that's uh an idea that exists in the world and you see teams do this and and how often have we said this year if only they had more picks if only they had more picks can you get a pick swap in a future third? Can you get a pick swap in a future fourth at some point to move back a handful of spots so they have those resources in the future? It's something that I think you have to consider at least a little bit when they know they, they're going to get have to get cheaper at a number of positions. But let's transition. Let's talk second round here a little bit, guys. Joe, when, when you think about the second round is, I mean, we just went through that whole mock draft exercise on Friday. To me, if you miss on a tight end in the second round, you're hoping that a guy that has an athletic profile you like, whether it's Brenton Strange or Zach Koontz, falls to you in the third or fourth round a little bit later. Does that feel like a spot where tight end is in consideration, or or do you think you know still a premium pick in the second round, looking at more premium positions? Yeah, and I wonder if that's a similar situation to last year, where you know they take Daxel in the first round, and I remember I put a poll up right before the draft last year of what's the two biggest or what are the biggest needs left on the Bengals roster, and the top two vote getters were corner and defensive tackle. Well, after Dax Hill goes, that what are they doing rounds two and three? They actually trade up in round two to make sure they get the last corner that they valued at that spot. Could it be a situation where, yeah, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft are second round picks? And they start going a little bit. And you're like, okay, there's only one guy left, and we're still 10 picks off. It's worth it in this draft class. Yeah, we want extra picks, but do you want extra picks in what's perceived as a weak class? If you could swap one of those fourth-rounders and move up, you know, give away one of those fourth-rounders, move up just a few spots to secure your guy, get ahead of teams like the Cowboys who seem to be in on a tight end, and take Sam Laporta or Tucker Craft or Luke Musgrave, whoever's remaining of that group, I could see that being a situation. And then otherwise, it seems recently you've got a shot at like a, a faller. Maybe Dwan Jones is still falling at that point. Is that something they're interested in? If maybe it's the wrong tight end that's still there. Maybe it's Darnell Washington and he's still there. J- James talked about this before uh, we started recording. And I thought, yeah, you know, at what point do they bypass probably what their plan is? I think their plan would be, hey, we'd love if one of those tight ends are there. If not, is that when Zach Charbonnet comes off the board? It seems to be right in that range. Is that when Keanu Benton, the nose tackle out of Wisconsin, goes off the board? Again, projected to be right in that spot. If that's the case, I could see both those guys uh, fitting very well with this team. Yeah, I, I think the other spot, like if, if the right tight end isn't there, it seems like the board kind of opens up. Maybe they aren't in on, on Charbonnet at 60, and they say, ah, we want one of these other running backs later. I could see them trading down and addressing defensive line and, and going that route, or especially if they've already taken a corner. If they haven't, then to me, this screams, let's say they go defensive line round one and take Kansi. I think corner, tight end, it's probably going to be one of those picks at, at 60. It's going to be one of those positions. And I mentioned Turner. I don't think he'll fall DJ Turner. I don't think he'll fall to 60, but if they don't have one already, I think he could be high on their board at 60 if he was there. And and I know, Jake, we did a mock where he was there. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll probably go mid-40s if I had to guess. Will Charbonnet fall? Is there going to be no second-round running backs? Because Gibbs is probably going in the first. It, that's, there's a lot of smoke. Or early second. 
does 20 picks go off the board there without without Charbonnet going, even though he's a plug-and-play type guy? At least that's the sound of it, and clearly the third-best running back. I think it's interesting because the Bengals got burned last year at the end of each round, and that's why they had to trade up for Cam Taylor-Britt. And I, I think you're right. They might be in a, a position where they want to do it again to address one of these spots. I don't think they would trade up for Dewan Jones, by the way, but one of these tight ends, I could see that happening. And, and I talked about that a few weeks ago, too, I think. The idea that do they see that cliff coming like they saw with Cam Taylor Britt? I don't remember if it was on this podcast or elsewhere, but it, it, it could be a scenario where, just like you said, James it, or, and Joe, you know, they, they have to go up and get a guy before they see a big gulf. Let's keep it going here. We'll get to the third round. We'll talk about day three a little bit as well to finish up the show coming up next. Okay, let's talk about day three. Assuming the Bengals don't move up, and uh, well, we can talk about the third round for a second, but uh, assuming they don't move up, I like the idea. If you told me they had, let's say they got uh, Emmanuel Forbes, and then they had to use that fourth rounder to get the tight end they wanted, that they had a you know fourth on their board in the tight end room, that would feel pretty good, Joe. So I like the idea of that. That said, pick 92, everyone keeps mocking Roshan Johnson to the Bengals. Let's say they don't, they don't get a running back in the first two rounds. That feels convenient. You look at Dane Brugler's latest mock, a lot of these mocks, it, it, it feels like he's going to go before pick 92. Yeah, it's, it's a strong running back class, but I, I keep putting that every time. If you want, I think, a guy that has size that can also play in the passing game. And I think the Bengals do. I think most teams do especially if you want to be, want him to run out of shotgun and run in a gap-heavy scheme. I mean, we're talking Bijan. I think Gibbs fits that, even though he's only 200 pounds. He has all the other markers. Uh, Zach Charbonnet. And then Roshan Johnson. And it's like, okay, after that, you have guys with incomplete profiles or issues in their profiles. Uh, Kendra Miller, and who I think would fit and could be a third or fourth round pick out of TCU. Uh, I've professed my love for Israel Banacanda, but he's more of a mix-in first and second down type replacement for when they want to get under center and run some zone and things like that. But he adds speed at 215 pounds. So I, I think, you know, if they did it that way, they could, if, if he was a, a part of a double up situation, but I do think running back gets addressed before the fourth round. So I don't think there's many guys that fit exactly what it seems like they need. If Callahan, when he's on your show is correct. And, and maybe he's just speaking of what the team looks like right now today, if they had to line up or he's speaking and how they want to line up, in September, it sounds like they want a P ride replacement. And if that's the case, I'm sure everyone would like to get more explosive in that situation. But at the very least, if Roshan's the last guy of that group that can do that job, don't be surprised if they push it even further. Maybe it's not the trade up in round two. Maybe that's the trade up in round three to get into the right spot. It is tough. I struggle with all of these valuations where I'm like, okay, that guy's a second, third, fourth. And I'm like, I forget they pick so late in the round. I'm not used yeah. to it. And I wonder yeah. if they deal with that a little bit as well, where it's like, they yeah, did last I, year. Exactly. And the same would happen at tight end. So yeah, they, they traded up for Cam Taylor, Ritt, but at, at tight end, they're like, yeah, that guy's a fourth round pick. Oh, he's not there. Went in the middle of the fourth round. You were correct, but he's just not where you pick. So like, you got to value that correctly. And I think Roshan probably should go, early to mid third round. So that means he's probably not there unless something crazy happens or he falls a little bit. He's just such a polished player. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that he, for, for the things you want a running back to do in the NFL, he makes good decisions. He blocks. Well, he's going to have to grow a little bit as a receiver, I think, but 
he runs with power, breaks tackles in a way that I think is underrated just because he doesn't have the top end athleticism, right? He's going to break tackles and get another couple of yards. He's not going to run away from everybody, but he, he's scheme versatile as well. You mentioned Jameer Gibbs fitting the shotgun game. He's not running between the tackles a ton at Alabama. He's not running a ton of gap at Alabama. He's not on the field a ton at Alabama. And, and so like for whoever picks Jameer Gibbs early, which is going to happen most likely, they have to be comfortable with that part of his game either needing to grow or him being a player that's on the field maybe 40% of the time instead of 60% of the time. Which I can't wait talking about right. that. I can't wait talking about that on Thursday night. Let's talk about that now, though. If you're a passing team that passes at 60% of the time on a conservative day, right? Could be up to 65, 70 on some days. Conservative. Yeah. I mean, they throw it all over. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. So he's going to play the majority of those snaps plus some running snaps because you're going to, you know, still run out of shotgun. That he could be out there for if he's a full time guy, it could be 70% of the snaps, even without running inside. You need to run inside. That's when your P Ryan or your mix in comes in. I think that's a, I think that that's a generous estimate. If you had Gibbs and Roshan Johnson, which one gets more snaps? If those are your two top running backs on your team and you're the Bengals, which of those guys gets more snaps? I would say it's Roshan Johnson. Gibbs. For, the for more this team, the way they work. I think it'd be close because Gibbs would be such a weapon as a passing option, which Mixon was a good receiver last year, but wasn't really a weapon, not the way Gibbs would be. Gibbs would be a different level. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, that does have some value. And if you're putting passing options first, I think Gibbs is as high as you could be in terms of. But, running but who's out there in the two minute drill? It probably still, you're right. It probably still be Roshan for the blocking. Yeah. And who's out there on third and seven? Gibbs. That could be a guy could go either way, but it's, I, don't, I, don't I think know so. what you're saying. The way the Bengals use their running backs, that's where they put P Ryan into the game. And I know that Mixon yeah. is a different player than Gibbs. I just think the way they work, that that that's the way that would go. Also, I, I don't uh, think real quick. I don't think we know the way they work. They haven't taken a running back that matters. This this like the one that they've invested in was P Ryan. Like and this, they had a this, small this third down back the first year. Geo was their third down back the first year, and he played just as much as Mixon. They did like him better because he could pass. I mean, that's the thing is they prioritize on money downs the back that can pass protect. That we do know about that. I think you're assuming that Gibbs won't be a good pass protector. A lot of people are doing that about him. I'm assuming that he will get run over when it's an inopportune time at some point, and that's not very predictable, even if he's okay in, in other moments. He just doesn't have the density that you need to stand up to, to some big running back or big linebacker, 250 pounds coming with a full head of steam. How did offenses with Chris Johnson and Jamal Charles survive? How did they, didn't, didn't those guys see 300 touches? Do you have a tight end that can block? Something's got to give. Right. You're not, right. you're not sending five into the pattern every play. Sure. Sample. <laughs> We're uh, back. A, a guy I want to mention as far as a running back that could be in play in the third round that kind of does both of these things. It isn't Roshan Johnson or Jameer Gibbs. It's Ty J Spears. Some stuff going around medically with him had the ACL. Is there something lingering with the ACL? He was able to test. He was able to participate in the senior bowl. He does kind of fit that he can block. He can catch. He can run. Might be that, that kind of complete ish back that, that could be in play as far as being able to play on all the downs. Because when you look at some of the other running backs, like you said, Joe and James, there's a lot of guys that are good at a lot of things, but not a whole lot of guys that are going to be seen as every down guys. 
Spears so, is like the one as like the native draft Gibbs at 28 guy. Spears is the guy where it's like, oh, well, if you can get that, then do it. I just, it's just like all of these guys. I don't think they'll do it at 60, but I don't think he'll be there at 92 unless the medical stuff forces him down the board. And then who knows if the Bengals cleared him right, right. And, and are willing to, to take him. So it's tough. I would be on board with Tajay Spears, though. And the three guys we probably haven't talked about enough, that if they take them, we'll just go, yeah, okay. And other teams liked them for whatever, whatever reason we didn't circulate them enough. It would be Tank Bigsby, Devin A-Chain, and Zach Evans. And A-Chain, you just size comes up with him too. I know that. that but if you would I mean, take Gibbs, you'd sure. probably take A-Chain in the third. Uh, and I'm not saying me. I'm just – I that's the thing that people bring up when it comes with him. So, yeah. And it's probably going to be a running back that we haven't talked about at right. some point because that's because, the way these things tend to work. Because A-Chain is still 12 pounds. I mean, there's a big difference between 188 and one, or two, 200. I mean, he's 199. There is. That's a, there, there's, that's, that's a, I mean. No, no doubt about it. Let's talk day three a little bit as well here, guys. We've talked about a lot of the options for some of those premium picks. Joe, what are the names that you have circled? I mean, a lot of their visits – especially late or with some very like sixth, seventh round kind of guys who, who are some of the other guys that stand out to you as potential day three targets? Yeah. It's funny because it, we haven't mentioned offensive line. It, you know, we're talking about the first three rounds or so. And so what does it look like if, you know, Dewan Jones doesn't fall or if they don't feel the need to reach at 28, when can they get a guy with, you know, and they did have some visits with a lot of guys that look like fourth, fifth, even sixth, seventh rounders. And maybe even, even, um, just reaching out to guys that may be undrafted, guys like Jalen Duncan, John Ojoku, uh, Warren McClendon. Those guys could be fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. And then you've got guys like Jake Witt out of Northern Michigan who had to play tight end, and then they moved him to offensive line out of necessity, and he performed well and gained 70 pounds in a year. And we're talking about the smallest of smallest schools, but tested like an absolute freak. Someone's going to want to draft him. They're not going to let that wait to uh, get to undrafted territory because then you never know who's going to get him, especially when I think 30 of 32 teams were at his pro day and showed some sort of interest. I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Witt, who had a top 30 visit with the Bengals, is a six-round pick for because I've looked at the data for when do you find offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, especially at tackle. It's the first three rounds, and after that, you might as well just spend a lottery ticket as a late guy that has athletic upside, and I think that's what Witt would, would offer unless you're okay with just taking a swing backup guy in those middle rounds last thing that I, I think that the Bengals they want to try to address at some point and early on in this process Jake remember we, we talked about they always seem to take a receiver usually in back-to-back -back years and they take receivers a lot they didn't last year and so are they going to to skip out again this year I know it's not a great wide receiver class to say the least it's a bad wide receiver class to be clear but what are some mid-round guys that you could see them potentially being interested in, Joe? Yes, what are the Bengals like? What do they typically draft? They drafted very well for my lifetime drafting receivers, right? Mm -hmm. They really only have a couple misses out of the whole thing. So what do they typically draft? What are the indicators? It's usually guys that came out early. So we're talking about junior. And things get a little weird because with the COVID year, there are some like fourth-year early declares because they took a year uh, when COVID hit. But they're – 
They want someone who came out early. They want someone that produced at a young age. And typically they're in like the six foot range, 190 or so. Uh, anything more than that would be great for them. There's a few guys that I've got that I think could fit that, that, you know, all three of those markers at least. And I think Parker Washington out of Penn State is one. He's a slot guy. He's five, nine and a half, but at 204 has good density. He's a little, um, little stubby, 72 inch wingspan, 29 inch arms, but 96 percentile breakout age, really quick, elusive, tough slot guy that I think could be um, a fun player for them. And, and then I, who I mocked to them in the fifth round was Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. Very similar situation. Junior uh, ran a 4-4-4. He's a slot guy. Got a lot after the catch. His last, his 2021 season was much better than his 2022 season. And I think that's why I, draft Knicks have cooled on him a little bit. Otherwise, I think he could have been like a third or fourth rounder. Now, because there's not that many underclassmen this year or because of the COVID year, maybe they bypass that a little bit and go for guys that are a little bit older or, you know, just didn't have the ability to come out early. Maybe it's a guy like Xavier Hutchinson in the fourth round or so that I think looks like Tyler Boyd in a lot of ways and could be a similar player to that. And maybe they want to go with a bigger outside receiver and let Jamar Chase get into the slot. Then that opens up the options, I think, a lot more because – Maybe, I guess, as I'm saying it out loud, there's not many big guys. So are they going to get pushed up? You know, in, in our rankings, I'm just looking at our rankings. It doesn't really uh, differentiate who's the big guys and the small guys other than looking at the, the the size table. But if teams are like, you know, this it's loaded with slot quick guys, I'm going to take this big guy around earlier to make sure we get one. Maybe there won't be one there for the Bengals. Yeah, the Jonathan Mingo third-round dream died a long time ago. Uh, Rasheed Rice, though, SMU. Yes. Not an early declare, not that young producer, 23 years old, but from a, a body type perspective, from a skill set perspective, could be inside, can, can play inside out, I think. And he looks and like a, a Bengal receiver, Mohamed Sanu vibes a little bit, maybe. Yeah. I've seen the Adam Thielen comp. I mean, he yeah. tested much better than Mohamed Sanu, 95th percentile looks- athlete, according to RAS. Yeah, Rasheed Rice looks quicker. Watch him versus Deontay Banks, and Banks had trouble because of the ball skill difference. Rasheed Rice, I mean, instantly playing above the rim over these guys, and he's only six foot. And, like, so when you see that guy that plays bigger than he is, I think the teams are going to see him as an outside guy, but he did play a slot, the slot a lot. The other guy, uh, reminding me of Marvin Jones before bringing up some Bengals types that look, is Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Deep threat, wiry body that makes a lot of sideline catches and catches, uh, you know, he can get up over people and make catches, but – with his body. Remember Marvin Jones used to do that. He had good hands, but for some reason he liked to body catch secure it. And I think sometimes it limited his after, after the catchability. I'm sure there are going to be guys that we haven't talked about that the Bengals will draft. We will of course have you covered with analysis after the Bengals make their selections. James, any last names you want to shout out here? We obviously have our show tomorrow to do predictive stuff. No last ones. Um, But yeah, I think uh, the double dip at running back is alive and well. The, the Gibbs, a Banacanda dream. I, I need a Banacanda to fall to, to round five, and then it gets real fun. Two speed, guys. Oh, my God. Good luck. Good luck. We'll be back tomorrow for our final predictive mocks of our own here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. You can find Joe's over on the Bengals of the Brain podcast. Until next time, one more show until the draft. Thanks for listening. Hootay. And have a good one.